Holy Spirit, point our hearts to the baby in the manger, born for us, born to save us, God with us, and show us the true contentment, meaning, and hope we have only from him. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. John's quip, that little line in his ministry when there's this overlap of Jesus, of John's ministry and Jesus' ministry, and you can see people, kind of the crowd's kind of moving from John to Jesus, and that's where this conversation happens that, that we read. And I love, to me, one of the most, one of my favorite short verses in all the Bible is John saying, he must increase, but I must decrease. Now, I'd love someday to do an entire multi-week sermon series just on, on that verse alone, but I'll spare you today. But I feel like there's just so many angles, so, many, so much beauty to that. When you think the second most or greatest, as Jesus says, to that point, person who's ever lived is the forerunner of the Messiah himself, the one born to old Elizabeth and Zechariah, who couldn't have any children, and suddenly have John in old age, and he's not only any child, he's the forerunner of, of the Messiah, and Jesus calls him the, the second greatest t- till now, and he sees no problem at all not getting any attention. He sees no problem at all with all the attention that was given to him now just going over to Jesus. That doesn't bother him. He's actually excited about that. There are so many things there that can tell me, not just about my own faith and my own life, but about how good is Jesus. Let's take a step back before we get back to it, though. If you've watched any amount of TV in the last month, you're probably where I get to be around this time, and that is the complete saturation of Christmas commercials. That is selling me one more thing. And the promise is always your best life, your most fulfilled life, the most fulfilling life you can think of is one purchase away. And it's the purchase of the item that I'm selling you right now. And what, ta- what is it this time of year? It's you are one truck purchase away from everlasting happiness, right? How many have I seen? Change the channel. Oh, another truck purchase. By the way, pro tip, anybody out there, don't make a $60,000 financial decision without talking to your spouse if, if you're married, <laughs> right? It's always, you know, somebody got it for their spouse, and they're so happy. It's like, wow, you made that decision without me. My wife and I always laugh at those. Although I laughed at my sidebars on, on the Internet, some of the ads were for very, very, very expensive pajamas that the Internet thought I might be interested in. And I, I took some... Uh, amount of glee in the fact that whatever's following me on the internet doesn't know me all that well because uh, it was not interesting to me. But again, I, and I just scratched my head and think, really, I, I'm one purchase away from $200 pajama purchase away from uh, everything being awesome in my life forever? I mean, I, I didn't even know pajamas could cost that much, but I'm in now, right? When John's ministry fades and Jesus begins, he says, no biggie. 
Actually, this is what I want. This, actually, this is the, my purpose in life. The, the most fulfilling life uh, I could have, or actually, if I do my job, the calling, the reason I am on this earth that God wanted me born to, to Elizabeth and Zechariah now to live this purpose now is actually to not get everything I wanted, is actually to not have all the focus and attention on me The most fulfilling life for John certainly wasn't another purchase away. It was for him to look and say, everybody look, all the attention you've given me, it's it's Jesus. He is the one. And he goes on to say, I told you I wasn't the Christ. You you tried to think I was. And I said, no, 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 I'm not. Look, it's him. Look, the Lamb of God. It's all these things that he points to. This is the Lamb of God. He is the one who isn't just God to come and hang out with us, but to to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, yours and mine. And one thing this tells me, or, or John's witness, John's testimony, John's ministry tells me, is you don't need to win the argument to have the most fulfilling life. You, you don't always have to be right. You don't always have to have the microphone. You don't, the most fulfilling life isn't about you being center, first, and spot. It, it's Jesus. And finding our life in him means Jesus gets the attention and we, we don't need it. Do you know how freeing that is? Sometimes we're so worried if people don't notice us and what we do and, and how good we are, then somehow we're, we're going to not have a good life, or or somehow feel less about ourselves. John's prime example of, no, if if you spend all your breath and energy that the Lord gives you trying to point people to Jesus, well, up to that point, Jesus says he's the second greatest one to to live. That's a pretty good life. Tells me that you and I don't need to receive credit for things. John didn't need it at all. No, go find Jesus. He, He is the one. We don't need to be known. You don't need to be recognized. We don't need to be popular. You can serve and do things and not get recognition back. We don't need our own names to be great. And when you think about the Savior of the world, God himself becoming flesh for us and walking around, how on earth would would we want our names to to be great in the face of of Jesus? Seems silly to me when I put it that way, but, but how often do we think, oh man, people should, should notice what we do and recognize us, and, and we want things you know, to go well and look good for us. And John says, no, 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 no. He must increase, and I must decrease. I, I must make my footprint less. It's okay to be in the background. And strangely... I think this mystery of trusting Jesus that John knows perhaps better than us is that the deepest satisfaction, maybe call it happiness if you want, the greatest meaning, deepest satisfaction isn't found in any purchase or gift for Christmas. But by the way, if you haven't got anything for relatives, you got a week, okay? Here's your, here's your warning. And I'm not sure if Amazon can get it to you in this week, but, but here's your chance. But the deepest satisfaction and meaning is, you'll find is by looking, that's at the Christmas window, it's light now, you can see, see it, is looking in a manger and seeing a baby, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who comes humbly, well, actually with 
little fanfare of the world, certainly angels and shepherds and others came and knelt and believed. And for us too, the greatest meaning and satisfaction we'll find in life isn't by somehow magnifying ourselves. It's by looking at a baby in a manger and seeing Jesus magnified in our life. What John knew, better than me at times and maybe better than us, is if you bet the farm of your soul and, yes, your everyday daily life on Jesus, it's worth it. Jesus delivers. Yes, he, he delivers the forgiveness we absolutely need and cannot win or earn in any way for ourselves. And grace alone should make us the most humble people on the planet. Because we can't look at anybody else and say, hey, uh, you know, I, I'm in the kingdom because I was pretty good and, and you're not. No. If grace is true, if God came for us to save sinners, well then, how, how could we be prideful against anybody else in this church or in this world? Or somebody that you look out and say, man, what a, what a terrible sinner they are. We're all here by the grace of Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but the sin of my heart. Grace makes, makes us humble, and, and John knew that there, there's no need for any, any attention, anything, any more magnifying of himself. Look, the goods are with Jesus. That's where, that's where life is found. That's forgive, where forgiveness is found. That's where contentment is found. It, it's there. He must increase, and I must decrease. Now, that leads me then to really ponder what it means to be growing in faith or spiritually mature. Oftentimes, we tend to think, because it works in other parts of life, think, well, if I'm, if I'm a newbie and a beginner at something, you know, I, I need a lot of help and I have to lean on other people. If you're doing, say, a, a house project and you call people that know what they're doing and, and you learn, and, and then the more you, or at, at if you're new at a job, you have to ask for a lot of help and get training. But then the more you do something, you think, oh, I, I got, I've learned the ropes. I, I got the hang of this. I can do more on my own. And you rely less on other people. Competency like that happens often in a job setting, and it's okay. That's not transferable to faith. Why not? A deeper faith saying he must increase, I must decrease. A deeper faith and deeper maturity in Jesus means more, trusting more in Jesus, not less. Spiritual maturity doesn't mean, ah, I'm, I'm going to get better at this, grow up, and I can do more things on my own and therefore trust Jesus. It actually works the other way. The more we grow in faith, the more we say, Jesus, I need you more. Trusting Jesus daily means needing Jesus more daily. Seeing Jesus in your life as as bigger and seeing my own self-sufficiency as, as less. Spiritual maturity means trusting Jesus more and, and relying on myself less. And believe it or not, John, called the second greatest to live so far, the, the one to plow, the snowplow for the Messiah of Jesus to, to come through, says, I don't need anything. I can be an absolute nobody. He must increase. I must decrease. He knew that Jesus is the life. Jesus is the strong one. 
and for him to have, in some ways, completed his ministry, and for Jesus to take the torch or the baton and, and obviously do his ministry and save the world, John says, that's okay. It's not about me. It's about trusting in Jesus who will give me true meaning, which Go back to, to last week. That's ultimately the lesson John learns in prison is, is Jesus, I'm, I'm stuck here. And he's told, well, tell, go back and tell John what you've seen and heard. The Messiah is here. The lepers are being cleansed. The dead are being raised. The things the Messiah would do. He, good news is being preached to the poor. Yes, he, he has come. And, and believe you me, if John had abandoned the faith, Herod would have broadcast that everywhere. No, that, that's enough to sustain John to trust because he knows that true life is in Jesus and trusting in him, not on yourself. Or how about Mary? Her story from the other reading today. Mary is young and her life, she is told, her life will not be about her own chasing her dreams. Making, planning out her future, going, getting into this school, into that program, planning out her good life, and, and you know, seizing the day and going after that. Mary's life isn't that at all. Mary is young, engaged, and is told, no, your life is about to get a lot harder for a long time, and it will carry pain, and it will carry hardship, and your life is not your own. And what does Mary say? I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She knew a life of service to Jesus is better than any other life. And now, yes, she had an angel. Gabriel had to, to come and, and say, you know, don't be afraid. And, and she was, it was announced by an angel, certainly. But Mary doesn't have any uh, fulfillment journey. She doesn't go, go to find herself. No big plans. All these, Everything changes in a moment when the angel come, appears. And she knows by the end of that encounter, that her decreasing and Jesus increasing is better than any other life possible. And I wonder, do you and I, are we willing to take that chance on Monday morning or on Tuesday morning? Are we willing to, to say, Jesus, you're the one that delivers true life to me. Help me see that today. Help me to, to give me the strength from your word, from, from coming to the Lord's table. Some people say, why, why do you, uh, churches that don't commune as often, or friends, churches say, why do you take communion so often? Like, isn't it enough a few times a year? It's like, well, actually, I am so weak and so uh, pathetic a sinner at following Jesus sometimes that I need more to rely on him and to be fed his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace. He must increase that's okay for us to decrease because Jesus absolutely delivers meaning and life and hope. So in some ways, the most freeing news you might hear today is he must increase, we must decrease.